0: Well, we are on we started a a, a little short series a little three week series last week on easter and uh we got this thing kicked off and it's and we it's just called his story and we're looking at a god's what god is doing in our lives and in the the bigger scope of what's happening and how that comes down how in god's grandness of the scheme of what he's doing in all of humanity that we still fit in there. So if you've got your bulletin, if you've got your notes I want you to go ahead and crack those open. You've got those fill in the blanks so you can kind of follow along And, uh, and let's just go ahead and jump off with this God's story is about his love for us and God wants us to be willing to make his story our own and this takes a mental shift From it being His story to it being my story. See, last week we talked about His story. And that we get inserted in there on the cross. Why? Because it was for the joy that was set before Him that He endured the cross. But what was that joy? It was you and I being reconnected to the Father, is you and I not having this gulf of, of, of sin and punishment separating us anymore that He took care of it and now we can be with the Father like we were designed to be. That was the joy that was set before Him and we get inserted in there. And then now His story should become our own. It should, we should make it our own story, but it takes this little mental shift from this being something about, about somebody else to it being about our own. Now, we've shared before that uh, Cutie and I traveled around some uh, in 2008, pretty, quite a lot. Um, we were in churches of all different flavors, all different styles of ministry, but just churches where disciples were being made, where people were just learnt, knowing who God was and trusting Him more. They were just growing. And um, one of the churches we visited was a church that has a, a lot different flair, and they're on purpose wired to reach people who were born and raised in Judaism, who are Jewish, and they're they're geared towards that. It's a church in Plano called Baruch Hashem, which means uh, Praise the Name, and uh, they are a what was what we refer to as a Messianic congregation. They're a group of people who are uh, Jewish, uh, growing up, but have embraced that Jesus or Yeshua, as they refer to him, is the Messiah, is the one that they've been looking for all along. Well, one of the the neat things is that as they are reading through the the Torah, reading through the Old Testament, reading through these stories, and they're talking about them, they're talking about those stories like you and I would talk about stories sitting around at our family reunion. There was this ownership of what had taken place, that that was their forefathers. Why? Because they, they traced their blood genealogy back. That that was, that was their forefathers. That was their story. And, I, and I honestly, I felt... I was like, God, that is, that is so neat. And I felt this sm- little moment of jealousy. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait a second. What am I doing? That's my story too. That is my... Why have I not read it that way? Why have I not owned it like that? And it took a mental shift for me to realize that you know that 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 parting of the red sea that's my story that that all of the prophetic things that point towards Jesus that's my story that Jesus coming that is my story that is what has brought me here and it just took a little mental shift and the way we see God is ultimately going to play into the way we're going to see God in our own story now we have five kids, and bless God, number six is on the way, and we're excited about that. And uh, but obviously, s- stories and storytelling and all that is a is a big deal with having a bunch of kids in the house. And um, when uh, my kids were a lot younger, they would always do a thing: "Hey, you know, Dad, tell me this story, tell me that story, all of that." Well, then one day, uh, Brooklyn, my oldest daughter, and Weston, my middle boy, um, they were. Weston was three, and Brooklyn was five at the time. They decided they were just going to make up stories. So they're just sitting around, ad libbing, just making stories up. And uh, so Brooklyn tells her story, and you know Weston, the little three-year-old Weston, enjoys it. Then it's his turn. It's his turn to tell his story. So his story is about a dog and a wolf. And it just keeps going about this dog and this wolf. This dog and this wolf. This dog and this wolf. And and of course the dog is the good thing. And the the wolf is the bad thing. And there's just this dialogue and this action between this dog and this wolf. Now this whole story, Jesus is never mentioned. Okay? As this story is being told, Jesus is is not in this story. Until the very end. And we're all sitting around listening to this story. And then all of a sudden, it's the dog and the wolf, the dog and the wolf, the dog and the wolf. And then all of a sudden... He says in the story, and Jesus shot the wolf with his gun. (laughs) And we just all bust up laughing. That just all of a sudden, here's Jesus. He like was, the whole time was hiding behind the tree. And bam! He takes care of it. Brooklyn laughs so hard, Kool-Aid comes out her little five-year-old nose. And she just makes this mess. And, but what is, a, what is hilarious is that, that here was, is this thing that even when the story is going on, in his little three-year-old mind, that Jesus was there the whole time. Jesus was ready to jump in at any moment. Jesus was there to play a role all the time. He may not have been constantly involved in every little thing, but Jesus was there. The whole time. See, as we begin to understand that God's story is our own story, then we won't see us fitting God into our lives on moments like this on Sunday morning. Or moments when, you know, the checkbook's a little tight. We're going, oh, Jesus, help me. Or when we're at this place where we really need some rain and we decide as a community to kind of call on God. I'm not condemned. I'm, bless God. Our leader said, let's pray. I'm not going to say, well, why are, you, why are you doing it now? What's up now? I'm going to say, let's do it. Thank you. Let's recognize who, what we can really call on. Let's pray. I don't give them any attitude. Come on now. Um, and, uh, but that we, it's not just those, but that Jesus is in our story all day, every day. That his story is ours. That he's wanting to operate in and through our lives in a major way. And a lot of times, come on the scene in an unexpected place. You know, when we really begin to make God's story our own, then you know what? It's okay then if God begins to show up and do some things at work. What? God wants to move in your life at work? Uh, yeah, yeah, in your family at home. Seriously, God wants to do that? I thought it was like a church thing. I thought it had to be like some sort of like a little holy ground thing. No, we've already broken that mold. We meet here, you know, and who knows what shows on this screen all week long and what happens on in the seat you're sitting in all week long. Sorry about that. But that's the, just the whole point that it isn't about that. It's about, it's about that God goes with us everywhere we go. And see, when we look at, we're going to look at the, the story of Thomas. We're going to take some, some highlights out of Thomas's story. Because in my opinion, when we look at Thomas's journey in making God's story his own, we can get these glimpses of some of the steps that kind of we go through in our own process. And see, one of the first things we see is that Thomas followed Jesus and was committed he was committed, folks. I hate it that we've labeled him old, doubting Thomas. He, he, that, that's, he has this moment of honesty. And we have just, just labeled him with that moniker. My goodness, let's free the man of that. <clears throat> Thomas followed Jesus and was committed, but he still had some questions. And you know what? We need to get it settled in our hearts. That we can be fully committed and still have some questions. That, having some, that we don't have to have every little question answered and, and then I'll be fully committed. That we can fully embrace Jesus as our Savior. We can fully embrace that He loves us. That His grace is enough. And maybe go, but I'm still scratching my head on some of this stuff, God. I'm still, I trust you, you're it. I'm believing you're going to reveal the answer to me. And I'm going to trust what you say, but I'm not there yet. And that doesn't mean we're not committed. We, we, We tend to be these people that it's either all or absolutely nothing. But there is this place that's called maturity that we grow in. And bless God, God meets us where we are. And we become fully His and then He grows us. It's a beautiful thing. It is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful thing. But see, in this, we have to understand what what being committed looks like. Because he had questions, and we're going to get to his doubts later. And there's a difference. There's a difference. Because even like Mary. Mary, who we'll end up talking about next week on Mother's Day. um, Mary, she was fully committed. Angel shows up, tells her that she's about to have a, a virgin conception and birth. Okay, she's going to bring forth the Messiah. Okay, talking to an angel. That's already pretty phenomenal. And she's like, okay, how is this going to be since I don't, haven't known a man? Legitimate question. It wasn't a place of doubt. She's like, I'm on board, but I'm just not understanding this, how this gig's going to work. And the, whole, and the angel begins to reveal, well, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and you're going to get impregnated that way. Okay, be done to me just like you said. She had, she was fully committed, but still had a question: so How's this going to go down? Now it's mirrored against her, <clears throat> her cousin's uh, husband Zacharias, who he gets told that there's going to be this incredible birth by this angel, and he just doesn't believe. And a real moment of grace happens, and the angel shuts his mouth up. You know, sometimes when we don't, when we're having. Doubting issues we need to hush up sometimes. And uh but uh he he this uh uh there were there were two different responses. Both of them asked questions. She was like, Okay, I'm I'm wanting to move forward in this process. I, I've got the I've got these these questions here. But this picture of being fully committed, we just need to understand that we need this fully committed is that we're willing to give that whatever Christ asks. Okay? Does that mean that, that, okay, as soon as I, if I decide I want to follow Christ, that means I need to stop all my bad habits. You need, that means you need to be willing to do whatever the Holy Spirit asks. I'm not going to tell you about anything that you ought to not do other than follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. If there's something destructive going on in your life, the Holy Spirit may deal with it down the road. You may not be quite ready. You may be dealing with some other issues. And we're all going to be patient with you. And let the Holy Spirit get to that when the time comes. But being fully committed means is when the Holy Spirit gets there, you're like, okay, I'm cool with that. I'm going to roll with it at that moment. There was this Haitian pastor that told a story and, and trying to communicate to his congregation what it meant to be committed what it meant to be really committed and that there was this, this man who had had this extra home and he was going to sell this home. And uh, he, was, it, it was, he was asking a, a very, very low amount of money. It, wasn't, it wasn't, a nice <clears throat> wasn't a super nice home. And this super impoverished man and his family decided they wanted to buy this home. But they could only pay half of what the man asked, the, the low, low price the man was asking. So the, the man that owned the home decided, you know what, um, I'm willing... I'm willing to sell you the home. And I'm going to sell you the entire house, but one nail that's sticking out of the wall. That stays mine. The rest is yours. That nail stays mine. All was cool for a few years until the, the guy who'd still own possession of the nail decides he wants the house back. He wants to purchase it back. He decided, to, regretted that sale, and wanted the rest of the house back. And I said, i own the nail. I want to buy everything attached to the nail. And it's like, no, no, I can't replace my home for that. No, 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 we're not going to do that. So the man goes and he finds a dead dog. And he hangs it on his nail in those people's home. And, of course, it wasn't long that the de- decaying, de- decomposing dog that is hanging on that legally owned man's nail eventually drives them out of their home and they were more than willing more than willing to sell see us this picture of us being committed is us making sure that we don't leave some little place where the enemy can come in and begin to get this little foothold to begin to root us out of this place of 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 trusting god it is to say god i'm i want it all to be yours i'm not going to keep this one little bitty piece over here because anything we try to squeeze onto and keep for our own and god you can't mess with this that's gonna be the that's gonna be the nail, that everything gets, all the destructive and the ugly gets held onto. This idea of being fully committed is we're really like God; it's all yours as you want it. I'm going to give it to you, but in that process, it is okay if there's this question here or there. See, John 14, we get uh, this picture and this little moment with Thomas, and uh, Jesus says, "Do not let your hearts be troubled." Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, "Uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Don't, I'm lost here jesus teacher 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 i don't I don't know the way I don't know what you're talking about, and so it looks like he's interjecting this little this little spot of doubt, but it's not he simply had a question he was full on he was fully committed he was there in the middle of it and Jesus simply answered isn't that awesome that we can bring our questions and and god reveal the answer to us that's why we have the holy spirit given to us to live within us to guide us into all truth and jesus answered i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me how many messages have been taught on that answer that a committed person gave an honest question to how many lives have been transformed by that one answer that an honest guy said, I'm not following you here, Jesus. I'm not understanding. You know what? We can be fully committed. And you know what? Part of being fully committed is being fully honest. Being real. That's why we have to be a church where people can be real. Where we can deal with each other. So we're not afraid of questions. That it's okay. See, Romans 4. We look at a picture of our father in the faith, Abraham. It says, without weakening in his faith he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and, and that Sarah's room, womb was also dead. She was around 90. Menopause was decades ago. Long time ago. And no baby is going to be made in the natural sense. says, so yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what He had promised. That's that place of trust. Is God? You said it. Situation kind of piles up like this, and it's kind of it doesn't really line up. But you said it, and so I'm going to stick with you. That I'm going to trust that you will do what you have promised. You will do. And then Thomas, so he had his questions, he had those. And then he had his he had his all-in moments. He had his, where we, he was just, oh, just fully committed. Most of us in, in our walk with God, we've had those all-in moments. Whether it was at camp one time as a kid, where you're, ah, surrender all. You know, and you put your arms around each other. and You do that, or you're, you've are you been on a walk to Emmaus and had these okay, I'm giving it all to you, or you have this incredible sweet moment in your bedroom where you're just crying out to God, and you say, God, I want to give you everything. I will go my whole life. I would invest my whole life for you. We've had, most of us that have been walking with God any length of time have had one or two or 27 of those moments where we're just like, yes, God. And that's kind of part of the process. You know that we come in, we be fully committed. Sometimes there are questions. Sometimes there are these all-in moments. See, John eleven sixteen. 16, it says, Then Thomas called Didymus. Now, that's not Greek for the doubter or dowdy pants. It's the twin. Thomas then called the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us all go that we may die with him. Now, in this moment, this is where Jesus is heading to Bethany, to deal with the death of Lazarus. He's about to go do an incredible sign and wonder, raise Lazarus from the dead, call a dead man out of a tomb, and go ahead and give precedence that he has power over death and the grave. And But um, he's about to head back. The problem was, the reason that Thomas pipes up and it's talking about Jesus dying, that we're going to go and die with Jesus, not go die with Lazarus, go and die with Jesus, is they having to go back to Jerusalem, from Bethany and back into the Judean area. Bethany was just two miles away from Jerusalem. We see here in John 8, just a little a few chapters before, that Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered before Abraham was born, I am, which is a big deal. And he says, And at this point they picked up stones to stone him, But Jesus hid himself, slipping away through the temple grounds. They had already tried to take Jesus out. They had already tried to murder him and to kill him. And they knew that there was all the talk. And Jesus was headed back right into the hornet's nest. And Thomas is going, you know what? We're going with him. We're going to follow him all the way. If he's going to die, we're going to die with him. Let's go, guys. He was the... And he was serious. At that moment, it wasn't just bravado. Bravado. He was serious. he was all in. and you and I will, will have those, those all-in moments. But then Thomas later also had his doubts. As we are making and bringing our, making God's story our own story, see, we have to be patient even with ourselves, folks. Sometimes that we'll look at our own lives and go, "What kind of believer am I? What kind of Christian am I?" I'm either either hot and on for God or I'm not and I'm embarrassing him and I'm just better off if I just forsake God all entirely. If I can't be all on all the time. We have to understand that we can be committed. We can have these questions and God's big enough to handle our doubts. My life was forever changed. That's why we just talked about camps. I'm a big person into camps and getting away taking a focus on god my life was forever changed forever changed the summer before my senior year i went to colorado to a camp and i go and we have those moments and the holy spirit is moving on my heart i would not been i was being drugged to church by my parents and we were church going family but i was not living for god it was not what i was doing and god just begins to move on my heart And I get ticked. I get mad. We're in this this college basketball deal with all these teens there. And I get mad and I just storm out and I just leave. And nobody chases me. I end up on the baseball field of that that college (coughs) complex. And I'm just screaming at the heavens. And I'm just cussing. I'm dropping the F-bomb at God. I'm just losing it. Just screaming up at God. Me having a conversation with God and just begging Him to leave me alone just make the Holy Spirit back off a little just leave me alone and my rationale was this I was like God I am not going to be one of these that comes up here and has this camp experience and do all this crying and all this stuff and then go home and live like you never did anything in my life I'm not going to be that and I said, God, and I know me right now. And in two weeks, I'll be worse off. I'll be acting worse than I, than I was when I came to camp. I know that two weeks. And I just spoke it out with some choice words to God. And God would not back off, would not back off. And I just doubted whether or not I could live with it. Doubted not whether I could go forward with it. And I'm just arguing with God and just I just couldn't go anywhere on that campus without just bursting into tears, and and finally the the last night I'm like, all right, God, that's fine, that's it, that's it, all right. I come back into this all-in moment, and sure enough, two weeks probably to the day, I'd put all of that decision behind me and living more stupid than I was pre-camp. But there was something that was done in saying yes in that moment. There was something that was done forever at that moment. Even though my life did not reflect it in the months following. You would have said, Brandon, you were full of it. What a stinking hypocrite. You went up there and you did all that crying crud at camp. And then here you are and this is how you act. And this is how you talk. And this is what you do. No. No. You're full of it. But I'm telling you, something changing. God was big enough to handle my doubts. In John chapter 20, we see now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the, the disciples when Jesus came. Now, you know what? I think this is kind of be a significant, because sometimes this is us. You know what? The, the, the crud hit the fan here, folks. Jesus was dead. And Thomas was frustrated. And everybody else, the other guys rallied together, and Thomas was somewhere else. We don't know where he was. We don't know if he was mad. We don't know if he was out sulking. We don't know if he was just like, I'm through with this. I've, I've wasted three years of my life. We don't know what was. But he wasn't with everybody else. And you know what? And There's times where you and I have pulled away from others as well. We have. But that doesn't mean it's the end of it. Let's go. That doesn't mean it's the end of it. I love that. And so the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. You can run your mouth all you want. Until I do it, until I see it myself, I'm done. And there he picks up the moniker doubting thomas now we need to understand that there were some things that had already been predicated by jesus that these kind of things don't really necessarily produce faith the things he's saying i want to put my finger in his in his wrist i want to put my hand inside those things don't necessarily produce faith jesus already established that in mark chapter 9 it says that <clears throat> there's the the rich man and lazarus story that he's telling and the the rich <clears throat> Man it said it's, or, uh, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. The next one. Mark chapter 9 is where we look at that uh, the guy needs some help with his faith. And there's his son is about to be, is needing some deliverance, needs some, some help. He says, and it has often thrown him into the fire and water to kill him. But if you do not do anything, take pity upon us and help us. And he said, if you can, Jesus said, if, everything is possible to him who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And then immediately the little boy gets set free. Jesus met him there. You know what? Sometimes our place of faith is, we're like, God, I'm believing as much as I can. Help me here. Help me go the rest of the way. And God is there. He. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit, to help us on this journey. We see Matthew 27, that the that the the scribes and the Pharisees were basically mockingly saying to show us the sign that a miraculous sign like Thomas was kind of wanting. He says in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. And he said he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and then we will believe. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything because here the rich story of rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16 he says then I beg you father send Lazarus to my father's house for I have five brothers let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment and Abraham replied they have Moses and the prophets let them listen to them and no father Abraham he said but if someone from the dead goes to them they will repent and he said if they did not listen to Moses and the prophets. They're not going to be convinced. Even if someone rises from the dead. That these things. These miraculous signs. They don't necessarily produce faith in somebody. They don't necessarily do that. And so but Thomas did get to that place. Thomas did get to that place where he believed. And he fully made God's story. His own story. When he. <clears throat> we see in John chapter 20 verse 26 through 29 it says a week later his disciples were in the house again and thomas was with them now he's hooked up now he's hanging out with them says and though the doors were locked jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you and then he said to thomas put your finger here see my hands reach out your hand and put it into my side stop doubting and believe and thomas said to him my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's talking about us. We weren't there at the resurrection. But the Holy Spirit confirms it in our hearts that it's the truth. See, Thomas believed. Thomas believed and then was used by God in some tremendous ways. We see Acts chapter 1. Verse 13. It says when they arrived they had gone upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter and John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And here they are. They're in the upper room. Now just before that Jesus had told them. Chill. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. You're going to be my witnesses. I'm going to send you out. You're going to make an impact. And there... Is Thomas there being ready to be endued with power, ready to be used by God. And then in Acts 2, we see when the day of Pentecost had come, that they were all together in one place. And suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. He had this place where he was back in. He was fully restored. He was there a witness to seeing Peter restored when Peter had fallen away. He was ready there to be restored to God. there was a moment when i came to asu and uh, right after i graduated and that uh that that camp moment was was behind me but i said there was this thing driven into my just driven into me changed me forever and god and the holy spirit just continued to just tenderly kept moving on my heart just kept moving on my heart and uh and i'm driving that road between odessa and angelo and I, I was feeling terrible for the things that I' had done and, and feeling disconnected with God. And as I'm driving, just this little sweet church nursery song comes rolling up out of me, and I just begin to sing, for whatever reason, "Jesus loves me, this I know." And as I'm driving down the road, I'm just bawling my eyes out, singing, "Jesus loves me." And I just felt that restoration that place that you know what god god's saying you know what i you did give yourself to me come and be a part of the my story see history tells us that thomas was the first person to carry the good news about jesus to india and he actually died a martyr there thomas was like you and i he had his moments he had his moments he had his doubts, he had his questions, he had his, his all-in exuberance. He, he, he was all over the natural human map. But he, God filled him with his spirit. And God used him in a mighty way. And God wants to do that, but we have to embrace that God's story is our own story. And see, in this moment, in all of history, we need to be willing to embrace the truth that God is still writing his story And wants to do that through us. God is wanting to move in each of our own lives. And uh, what we need to do right now is we need to go ahead and everybody if you just stand up.